0: Well, good morning. It's always an honor and pleasure to speak God's word to his people. Well, as you know, I'd like to encourage you guys to read a passage every week in light of the sermon. And I encourage you this week to read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. I also want to encourage you guys to always be in prayer, praying as much as you can, wherever you can. Because prayer is the one thing that can always remind you that God is with you. Because you're talking with him, and he's listening. When you're like, where is he? Just start talking, and then he'll tell you he's there. He'll tell you he's there and say, I got it all under control, so stop worrying, and let me do all the work for you. And then lastly, I always encourage you guys to... uh, be ready to, to possibly give the, the gospel to someone or just talk about the Lord with someone. Especially, you know, you, we live in that, now the season here, Christmas time, where you get to speak of him freely and people don't necessarily give you a strange look. They kind of expect it. So use it to your advantage. It's a great tool that we have, especially in the month of December here. I know we're not there yet, but we'll soon be there. I mean, come on, people have already put their Christmas, who, who's already put their Christmas lights up already? Okay, see, we're there. We're already there. The turkey's gone, the tree goes up. That's just how it works. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the wonderful blessing of seeing your people gathering in your name that we can freely and safely come before you, that we don't have to go hiding in the most remote places to gather together to worship you. Lord, That is a wonderful blessing that we have. Thank you for that. Thank you for this place that we get to sit with a roof and not having to deal with all the ailments outside, the cold, the heat, and the standard California weather. Lord, it is nicer to be inside. Thank you. Lord, we also ask that you be with all the churches that meet around the world and how whatever capacity that they do meet that you remind all of them as with us that we're in this together for Christ, that we are not alone in this, that none of us, when we disperse out into the world by ourselves, we are not by ourselves, but we are united in Jesus and closer together than we realize. And we're all accomplishing the same goal of declaring you, Lord, in everything we do. Lord, we also ask that you now Convict us of our sins, expose them, reveal them to us. We're good at justifying them. We're great lawyers of trying to say why we should hold on to this or that or why we need to do this or that. Lord, convict us and say, enough. And then encourage us to remind us to say that it's already been forgiven and we just need to trust in you. We pray this now in your son's name, amen. Okay, so our passage that we're going to be looking at today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And to summarize what Paul has been talking over in this section of Scripture, he's been writing all about Christ's return and why the Thessalonians should be encouraged by it. Paul has been trying to get them to realize that all their frets and all their worries about the day of Christ's return is of no use to them. That rather they should look to that day with all joy and take comfort in the Lord's return. For Christ has taken care of everything for them. He has merited every blessing to prepare them for that day, as with us. And he has merited every blessing that comes with that day for them and for us. So Paul has been stating over and over for them to live in light of such truths. In their lives. And to help them understand that they are now of a different status as they live in this world. That their life for them and for us, it's not just not having to worry or having a fear of dying anymore because of faith in Christ. But now, on top of that, they, as with us, we can live an empowered life that results in a joyful expectation of seeing Christ's return, to see him face to face. Every day you get to wake up to that. And this is what Paul has been trying to drive into their hearts and drive into their minds, as, as with us. That every day is another potential day of seeing Jesus at any moment, knowing that he is looking forward to seeing you. That's you live. We live for that not just live because we're not afraid of death, but we live every day of like today could be the day we see Christ. And I mean, before we get into the text, I mean, isn't that a wonderful gospel truth to think on? Especially when you live in such a nasty and cold world. I mean, think about it, the most powerful being, that has no end, that has no beginning, that upholds all of creation itself, that he's not only thinking of you, but he is looking forward to seeing you face to face. He cannot wait. You. And he cannot wait to be with you forever. Even though you fail him and sin against him and ignore him, even think little of him at times, questioning him and his ways, thinking that you know better than he, the God of the Bible doesn't hold that against you through faith in Christ, but rather gives you grace and smiles upon you, still looking forward to seeing you. I mean, let's be honest. That's a hard truth to believe. Because that's not how the world's economy works when it comes to relationships. There's always a ceiling. There's always a stopping point when someone says, okay, enough is enough. You failed me enough. I'm out. Okay, I'm done. I don't, I'm not excited to see you anymore. And I'm sure you have people in your life that you're not excited to see. It's true. But that's not how God works. That's not the economy of the gospel of God's grace towards his people. For he just gives more undeserved blessings to you in love. For that is the gospel truth over us now in Jesus. For Christ is taking care of everything for us to be in right relationship with God. To to only enjoy his favor, his love, his blessings and grace forever unconditionally. And so by dwelling upon this gospel truth then, by going deeper into it, seeing how it's truly finished over us in Christ, all by faith alone, this is what changes us to live out the very things God has called us and made us to be in this world. When the focus is on him. And Paul's going to go over that today in our text. And our title, as you can see, is, is Remember What You Have in Christ. Think upon that. So we're going to look at our passage and and to see then how free we are by faith in Christ so we can have rest in this truly exhausting world. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 5, I'm sorry, (laughs) 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, he says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So Paul here comes right back to speaking of the day and says with all certainty that we who have faith in Christ are of the day and belong to the day. And the implication is this. We are light now, not darkness, because we belong to the day of Christ's return. To be vindicated by him. So we live now as the representations of that day in a world that is full of darkness. So you can think of it this way. We are the spiritual Goshen, whether you realize it or not now. For you are seen as those living in the light. For you are light now. You are of the day. And I know some of you are like, what in the world is Goshen? Well, back in the Old Testament, when Moses went to go free the slaves, the Hebrew slaves, from Egypt, God brought lots of plagues upon the Egyptian people because Pharaoh would not let the Hebrew slaves go free. But the only place that the plagues didn't land on or hit or get involved with was where the Hebrew people dwelt in the land of Goshen. And you can read about it, I highly encourage you, read about it in Exodus chapter 8 through 10, read about it. But the one plague where God's people really stood out in that they were the only ones who could clearly see and clearly understand the world around them, was when God sent the plague of heavy darkness upon the land of Egypt. Only God's people in Goshen had light. Only they could see. Only they could then have joy and peace as they lived. Only they could understand their activity and truly enjoy each other's company truly enjoying life because everyone and everywhere else was covered in gloomy darkness all others did not know what they were doing or where they were going because they could not see because they were in heavy darkness they couldn't enjoy other people's company or even really life itself for they were of the night and not of the day. Exodus chapter 10 verses 21. 23 23 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another. nor did did anyone rise from his place for three days. I mean, it was dark. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. That's you. That's me. That's us. We're of the day. So, since we are of the day then, and we can see, all because we have faith in Christ, Unlike the world, Paul says, hey, you're of the day here, so let us be sober in verse 8. And we covered the word sober before last week. Sober having this meaning of living with all things, no matter what they are, living and interacting with them or whoever they are, to the glory of Christ and his return for his honor all unto him. There's another aspect then of sobriety that's hinted at here then in our text. Another different way of looking at it. For notice, Paul speaks of being sober in regards to armor now. Sobriety, then, should come about us because of this armor that we speak, that, that he speaks of here. And we're going to cover it in a moment. Yet for now. You must realize this in regards to armor and being sober. That Paul here is hinting at that there is a spiritual war that's happening around us. And we need to be sober to it and not ignore it because we're living in the day. We should be spiritually, we are really spiritually awakened to it. And you can now see it clearly Because you have the light, you're of the day, you're living in the land of Goshen. You are the land of Goshen. You can see the darkness around you. So don't ignore it. We have the light. We must not forget, Paul here is basically saying, that this darkness which non-believers are in and they live in, which we see, we must realize that this darkness has a prince over it, namely Satan. And he's there not only trying to make you think and that you're living in darkness. Okay, you're not. You're living in the light, but he's there to trick you, try to pull you into a darkness mindset of your life. But not only that, he's also there to accuse you of the darkness that you sometimes fall into because of your sin. He's there to accuse you of the darkness that you have in your past. To accuse you for your sins, to be more blunt, to accuse you of the sins of the past, the sins of the present, and the sins you're concerned about in the future. Because remember, the world lives in darkness. They're living in sin. And he's there to try to make you blinded by darkness with worry and fear and discouragement before God remember, later on in this text, these Thessalonians, they're worried about the judgment. That's the whole point. Paul has to tell them, you're not destined for wrath. So there's a concern here amongst these Thessalonians about their life. To accuse you, to have you live in worry and fear and discouragement then before God, so that you don't live brightly in a world of darkness. But rather stay hidden and defeated by sin. So we must remember, we must be sober, Paul is saying, to its lies that will scream at you at times. See, the world, the flesh, and the devil will tell you lies in regards to darkness, okay? Will tell you lies, saying, You, even though you're a Christian now, You believe in Jesus, saying you are not worthy enough to receive God's love and blessings. You're wasting your time with this Christian stuff because you keep struggling with the same dark sins. You shouldn't be here at church because you're a fake. Because your life outside of the church here is a train wreck. You're not a real Christian because real Christians are don't have relational problems like you do. Real Christians don't struggle with lust, anger, pride, or worry, or jealousy, or sadness like you. God loves only good people, and you're not good because of your addictions and personal issues. God doesn't love you anymore because you're weak and you give into your sins way too much. And now he's angry with you and going to judge you for your sins. So just give up this fake Christian gig. You're not of the day of light. You're just faking it when you show up at church. Paul here says, we must be sober to such lies that come about from the world of darkness. Remember, there's a war. There's a reason we're going to go over the armor. There's a reason why he's speaking of the armor. We are to be sober to it, these lies that come about. Because it's lies like those that will whittle you down to become self-righteous where you just become judgmental of everyone because you're trying then to prove yourself to God that you are good enough for his love. You are good enough to be in the church. You are good enough. You are better than the rest, which is exhausting and useless because then you just become the spiritual snob who gets angry with people, who are harsh with people, and is not very gracious with people at all because you're trying to prove that I'm not of the darkness. I'm not like them or more for our context if you're not sobered all those lies i think this is what a lot of people struggle with you begin to be blinded by the world's lies and become defeated because you're so overburdened by the law that you cannot keep that the world constantly points out to you saying and showing your failures to it stating how useless you actually are before so that then you live in worry and fear of God because all you can see is your problems before Him. And then you buy into this world's lie and see Him like some angry father up there who just can't stand the way you live before Him. All because you believe in this wretched lie that says our sin keeps you separated from God. Even though you have faith in Jesus... We believe the lie that says right standing with God still depends upon you. And Christ is honestly of no use to you. He got you in, but it's up to you to stay there. But here's the thing. Paul here says you don't have to believe any of those lies. Because you can see through them all. For you are of the day. You can be sober to it, which directly, more directly means is you can see through the lies and how they're all false by remembering the gospel truth about you now since you have faith in Christ. In which Paul speaks here in regards to the spiritual armor, which he reveals at the end of verse 8, which says, Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And the key here, which again is what empowers us to have a sobriety in this world to the lies that are given to us, is the gospel truth that Paul says with the words having put on. Meaning, these Thessalonians, you and me, have already, we already have this armor upon us now through faith in Christ. Having put on is speaking of something already done to us. So we have the armor and the power to fight the lies, fight the world's ways, fight the sin, fight our own sin. And guess what? Because we have this armor already, okay? This is key, which you'll see. Because we have this armor already, The world, sin, can do no harm or wound us before God so as to not make us victorious in this world before Him. Let me be more blunt here about how awesome this message is. Paul is saying, because we have this armor on, Paul is saying, your sin no matter how much you fall into it or give into it no matter how much it's pointed out into you, uh, out in you or people hold it against you or maybe you even hold against yourself no matter how much you hold your sin even against yourself your sin does not defeat you in that it takes away god's blessings and favor and grace, and love away from you. Your sin, because, you, right, because the armor here, understand this, your sin, being that you have faith in Christ, does not ruin your restored relationship with God, for you are fully protected now from sin's power over you. The gospel is good news for sinners. For Paul here is saying, you already have put on all the armor necessary to win the battles with sin before God. For this armor, going with Paul's example here of armor, if you will, is not just any armor. For Paul here is not directly quoting from the Old Testament, but he's pulling from the Old Testament passage about the divine warrior and his armor. Where God himself comes to accomplish salvation. For he is the only one who can do it. And he does it. And we see what this armor does. In Isaiah 59, 16-17, it says this, referring to God. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breast uh, as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the gar- garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And ultimately, this passage is fulfilled in Christ, who came down for us, who came to ac- uh, accomplish the unfathomable, to achieve the impossible. He came and defeated the power of sin and death over his people. He won the war and was victorious over this world. So, we then, as Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, have put on Christ. Put on Christ. We have put on Christ. How? By faith in him. This armor, then, that Paul is speaking of here, the armor is Christ himself. Or as Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The armor that we have put on is Paul saying we have Christ now living within us. All by faith within you and me. He is the one who won for us in our place. And he is working within us to protect us from all the things that would remove God's grace from us. That would remove our right standing with God. For Christ's victory over this world is our victory now through faith in him. He is our armor. For we always win in this world when it comes to sin's power over us. Because Christ has won. We have his armor. Or more directly, we have him living inside us all by faith. Gods when when people say you fail when God looks down he sees oh no victory because he sees his son He sees the armor For see cuz Christ will not let his armor fail that is protecting us Christ is not a failure nor is his armor For he will not fail He will not let the breastplate of faith and love fail. For the very faith that we have somehow is a gift to us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It It is the gift of God. And he is working faith within us as we live in this world. He will not let it break. He will not let it decay. He will not let it be lost. He won't let it rust. For as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ has won. And so we know, because of Jesus, our faith will not fail. Though we may not exercise it as good as we should. Okay? It may be a thread. But we can be confident that our founder and perfecter of it will not let it dissolve away. There's rest. And there's good news for sinners. And also, the very love, then, that comes from our faith. That, that comes out of our faith is a gift to us. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because of Jesus, there will always be a love within us that will not fade away. It might be harder to see sometimes, But it will always come through towards God and man even when we're at our worst. For there will always be a smoldering of embers of love within us that will never burn out. For God's gifts, his armor does not fail. They are promises given to us and his promises never fail. And lastly, Paul speaks of this armor in verse 8. And for a helmet the hope of salvation. And here Paul is saying that we are to dwell on the absolute undeniable truth that when we have placed our faith in Christ, we can be fully confident that we are fully saved. So this word hope is not just, I hope so, but it's a, I know so. It's an, ins- it's an assurance that because of what Christ has done because of his obedience to God upon this earth, because of what was done for us upon the cross, and because of his physical resurrection from the dead. He's alive now. Amen. We can know that this helmet of salvation that is given to us in Jesus, that no matter what comes falling upon us, what trials come hurling against us and smack our head, no matter how hard life comes crashing down upon our head, even if it's because of our own sins and failure. We can have the calm, peaceful assurance that we are saved and will stay that way forever. Because Christ is alive and well forever in heaven to keep our salvation upon us all throughout eternity. For Christ has given us the helmet of salvation. He has given himself to us. Christ has won for you and me, and this gospel is good news that he has taken care of everything for us. There is true rest for us in Christ, despite our failures, despite our woes, despite our sins before him. He will not let you go. You are too precious for him to let anything like that happen. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40, if you don't believe me, this is his words. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will mostly, kind of, maybe, no. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Jesus does not fail. That I should lose nothing of all that the Father has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So church, remember what you have in Christ. Remember that He did all the work for you and has given you all the protection that you need in this world with all of its trials and woes. Even the very protection from yourself and your own issues. Your own sin. You are safe with God now. And you're safe when that final day comes. You will come out unscathed by sin. Because you're wearing the armor of God. Jesus said in six John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you. That in me, you may have peace. Assurance. Knowing it's going to work out. In the world, you're going to have, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Meaning, just rest in Jesus. He's got it all taken care of for you. He's got it all taken care of. You know what that means? You no longer need to be in worry, you no longer need to be in fear. You no longer need to be in anger. You can just let it go. And if you can't let it go, you can freely go to God.